that good stuff. Um, hey, we're in the book of Romans chapter 16. Let me kind of, uh, kind of set up what we're doing. We have, for several weeks, weeks now, done this series called God Made Known. Our hope of 2022 is like, let's get back to the story of God. Let's talk about God. Who is he? What is he like? How does he reveal himself to us? What's his character, his nature, his attributes? Uh, So often God revealed himself to us by describing himself through his attributes, through his characteristics. We're trying just to look at the idea of like, when you think about God, what do you think about? Uh, When you pray, what comes to your mind? When you serve, when you give, when you do life, when you imagine God, what is he like? And so we're going through these characteristics and attributes. uh, And again, we've talked about this. God is indescribable, but he's knowable. There's an element where we're kind of lacking this finite mind trying to understand the infinite God. But we want to get to know God the way he revealed himself. So the first week we looked at just God is, that there is a God, he exists. We looked at the classic arguments for the existence of God. If you missed that, please go back. We talked about how God is holy, love, just, joy, faithful, We just looked at different attributes of God. And our hope is that, not that we'll get a complete picture, but just a better understanding of who he is. That even though he's indescribable, he is knowable. He's incomprehensible, but he says, you can know me. And so this is just a way for us to, I I think, hopefully it changes how we worship, how we praise God, how we pray to him. Just, it changes everything, the way you and I view God. And so we just want to slow down and say, God, who are you? What do you like? How do you reveal yourself to us? And it's been a really sweet uh, just series to just slow down and talk about God. I know it sounds ironic to me, even when I mention this, like we're talking about God in church, like we don't we always do that? Yes. But just to slow down and look at the attributes of God has been a beautiful thing for us, for my faith. I hope for you, for our conversations, for our small groups. And uh, we just want to continue this conversation. So uh, today we're teaching on God is, every week it's God is dot, dot, dot. This week is God is wise. God is wise. And so uh, to help me out, uh, after doing this for seven weeks and being able to slow down, focus on some things, I have a friend, uh, a friend who just loves Jesus, who's been my boss at one point, um, who just loves the kingdom of God and loves the people of God. So Pastor Steve Mayo, if you give up for him as he comes up here to bring the word, very thankful for him. And I get to enjoy the message myself. Thanks, man. Thanks, bro. Love you, man. Love you. Good morning, good morning, good morning. How's everyone doing this morning? Good. It is so good for me to be in the house of the Lord, but also be back here at Exchange Church. So I'm excited. Always feels like a reunion for me, just so you guys know. And I told Josiah, I told him this the other day. I said, I probably say this every time, but um, I love coming to this church because I remember um, what it was like as he and Kimber were praying about, you know, I think God wants me to plant a church, and um, he's trying to figure out where it goes. And so to see all of you is just the fruition and the continuation of God's plan. Um, and that's amazing to me. Amen, for sure. Um, and so if you have your Bibles, we'll be in Romans chapter 16. That's where we'll start. Romans chapter 16, verse 25. And when Josiah shared with me that we're going to be, you know, examining the attributes of God in this series called God Made Known, I was even more excited because um, of what that means for this church, what that means for your edification, what that means for your encouragement, what that means for your passions um, and your affections toward our great God. And, you know, um, A.W. Tozer uh, has a famous saying, says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Think about how powerful that is. Uh, Now, knowing your pastor, I know that's not the first time that you heard that quote. Uh, Maybe the 21st time that you heard that um, in seven weeks, but um, nonetheless, so powerful and so true. 
But I want to continue uh, the rest of this quote. He says, for this reason, the gravest question before the church is always God himself. And the most pretentious fact about any man is not what he has given, not what he at a given time may say or do, but what he in his deep heart conceives God to be like. And I think about that and I say, I agree, because when you think about God and who you believe he is, like, what is God? What is he like? Um, it really guides so much, so many things in your life. You know, and think about, you know, studying the attributes of God and we get into this idea of, OK, what is God like? Like, who is he? Like Josiah said, he's kind of unknowable, but at the same time, we can know him. Um, and that idea of, and then what does that mean for our service? What does that mean for our love? What does that mean for our worship? What does that mean when we gather? Uh, it's just an amazing opportunity in this study. And it, I mean, it dictates so much um, why you got up this morning, you know, um, what you decided to do, uh, coming to this building, not like the building structure, but coming to this building to serve and to worship, you know, as a corporately, as a group of believers, and so I think we have before us an amazing opportunity. I'm honored to be part of it. Um, I'm going to pray, and then we can just dive right into what I think is a very, very good endeavor. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we thank you for Exchange Church. We thank you for this day, um, Lord, of the opportunity to get into your word. And I pray that it would be your words. Lord, it's not mine. Um, it's not anyone's. It's really your word that makes it impactful. And uh, Lord, just as we come before you, um, guide us, Lord, speak to each person in this room who needs something from you, um, Lord, so many different people coming from so many different situations, but you see and you know them all, and you exercise wisdom in all of it, so help us, Lord, as we seek to serve you and seek to learn and grow more, and I pray these things in your name, amen. So when I was in seventh grade, and I needed to find information uh, whether it was information on something I had to learn, um, a person I wanted to know about, or something that was just interesting to me, or even information about a report I had to do, there was this revolutionary technology called books. Um, and these books were packed with information. Okay? And, you know, on my grandmother's shelf uh, in her home, she had a whole set of encyclopedias. Next to the encyclopedias were dictionaries, you know, and the, the encyclopedias had general information on all kinds of things, the dictionaries, definitions for words, right? And then um, if you needed to go further or do more research, uh, as a matter of fact, I would go to a library, and in the library, um, I would stuff my backpack full of books. This is probably why I got back problems today. Um, and I would stuff my backpack full of books, and, and that was, by the way, after I navigated, like, the card catalog where you had to go around and, like, write down all these series of letters and numbers, and you just walk around the library like you don't know what you're doing, and then when you finally get to the place where the book should be, someone checked it out. Um, and some of, if you're younger in this room, you're like, what is this foreign world that you're speaking of? Um, yeah, listen, you just missed it. Uh, you missed it. It was like an education scavenger hunt every time you had to find something. Uh, you never know what you're going to find or who you run into. Um, that's what happened. Um, that's kind of, you know, what we did at that time. And we know it's not like that today because information is readily acceptable or, excuse me, readily available 
all the time and accessible wherever you need it. So um, it's there. It's accessible almost in any way, shape or form you want to get it. You can find information. You can get information on politics. Um, you can get you can find out someone's retreat, retweet, excuse me, as fast as you can. You can find information on society, you know, information on sports, information on the weather. Uh, you can watch your friend's latest TikTok, whatever you want to do. You can find it extremely quickly. It's different from, you know, back in the day. Um, And it's available in all kind of forms. It's available on your TV. I think there's like 30 news channels. Um, I use the word news loosely, if you want to call it that. Um, You know, there's ESPN, ESPN2, ESPN3, ESPN+, ESPN Deportes, you know. I can watch LeBron score 56 points in four different languages. Um, (laughs) There's just so much information readily available. You can get it on your computer, you can get it on your phone. You can get it on your watch if you want. You can get it almost everywhere. And it's 24-7. You know, you can wake up at 3 a.m. Okay, and think about something that you want to know, and you could look it up at 3 a.m. and find the information. Okay? Um, I remember when TV went off at 12 o'clock. You know, you're watching TV, and at 12 o'clock, all of a sudden, the flag came on TV, and it was like, bum, 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 bum. It's like, go to bed. Um, but now, you can find information you know, anytime you want to, you just Google it. Thank goodness we don't say surf the World Wide Web anymore. But you can find information whenever you want to. Uh, but no matter how much information is out there, no matter how much knowledge that you gain or attain, it doesn't equate to wisdom. Everybody with me? Hey, it's different from that. And the mor- this morning, we have the privilege to dive into the attribute of God. And the one we're going to examine this morning is the truth that God is wise. Think about that for a second. I'll say it again, that God is wise. And I think when we say, okay, God is wise, what does that mean? You know, we want to unpack that. God is wise because we definitely need to take into account what it is, but also what it is not. You see, wisdom is not information. Wisdom is not knowledge. Many people confuse wisdom with knowledge. Many people confuse wisdom with information, but they're not the same thing. See, it's different from information and knowledge. Um, They're kind of overlapping, okay? One, you know, it kind of overlaps the other, but they're not exactly the same thing. You know, one definition I love puts it like this. It says, wisdom is the direction or the appropriation of knowledge and information. I like that one. Wisdom is direction or appropriation, of knowledge and information. You know, imagine someone who has all the knowledge of the scriptures available to them, but they don't have the skill with which to communicate or answer difficult questions that someone may have about it. So you have everything available to you, but you don't have the way to wield it correctly. So that's the difference between knowledge and wisdom, okay, or information and wisdom. You know, in Romans 11.33, it says, Oh, the depths of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. So even in God's word, it's a differentiation between the two, between knowledge and wisdom. See, the Greeks were, they first kind of defined this in one way. Um, The early definition that they had for wisdom was this, someone pursuing the highest end of their craft. So whatever your craft was, whatever it was you did or you put your mind to, it was them pursuing the highest end of their craft. And later, it was defined by the Greeks in this, him who pursued the noblest end 
and the fittest means with which to accomplish that end. So the noblest end, what's the best possible ending, and the fittest means, what's the best possible way that we could accomplish that goal? And so there's a difference, and as we examine this closer, we can kind of gain a distinction. And I want to start in Romans 16. We said we'd be there, so Romans 16, we're going to look at Romans 16 and start in verse 25. And in verse 25, you know, we're almost at the end of this book. And um, Paul is, you know, finishing up this epistle. And you kind of look at it. He says um, this now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. You know, think about that. Establish you. If you go back to Romans 111 in the beginning, he said, I long to come and establish you. That's what he said. So now he's kind of taking them through everything. And he's basically saying, you know, now unto him who was able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, but now made manifest by the prophetic scriptures made known to all the nations according to the commandment of the everlasting for obedience to the faith. Verse 27 to God alone wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. I want to go back to verse 27 because there's a key phrase in there I want us to look at. Okay? To God alone wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. See, when Paul kind of comes to the end of this, which is really a doxology, um, and he's finishing up this book, he points to one attribute of God, and the attribute of God he points to is wisdom. And he uses the phrase alone wise. See, God is infinitely wise. Paul calls him alone wise. Now you may say, okay, pastor, what are you saying though? Alone wise, like what does that mean? You know, um, what does alone wise mean? Aren't there others who are wise? Like how is, how is God alone wise? Or we're looking at an honor that can only be ascribed to him. See, you might think like, okay, why would Paul say that? Like, what's the criteria for being alone wise? Well, it's this. He's always, and we're talking about God, he's always acting with the right end in mind. You know, I think about when I act on something. Think about when you act on something. Sometimes we think we're acting with the right end in mind. We hope we're acting with the right end in mind. But God is acting with the right end in mind always. Even in our decisions, sometimes I look at decisions I make, even the ones I think are the most altruistic, right? Um, and there's still a little bit of bias in some of those decisions, um, you know, but God is not like that. He's always consistent, which is amazing because I know Josiah's talked about this, but he's always acting for the right. And so it even shows his immutability in the midst of his wisdom because he's a God that doesn't change, you know, his attributes are flowing together in concert with each other, even as his wisdom is displayed. So alone wise, always acting with the right end in mind. See, his wisdom consists in observing all circumstances for action. Think about that. That's amazing. All circumstances for action. Not some of them, not 99% of them, all of them. He sees all the actions. He sees all the secondary actions. He sees all the tertiary actions. God knows all the effects of the effects of the effects of the effects. Hey, he's never caught off guard. He's never caught surprise. God's not watching the news like, ooh, I didn't know Putin was about to do that, man. This is messed up. You know, God doesn't get caught off guard. He's wise and he knows everything. Everything's available to him. So we even see his omnis hey, play into his wisdom. Because in order to have wisdom, you need a grasp of everything which God has. You know, we make decisions all the time, make decisions all the time. And I'm like, ooh, I know it's going to turn out like that. Hey, but not God. 
I had a math teacher who used to say, statistics don't matter until um, you're on the wrong end of them. You know, think about that. God's not 99%. God is 100%. He has all the circumstances of all things in one entire image in front of him at one moment. That is unbelievable to me. Just think about how hard it would be to know everything about everything that's happening with all of us in this room. That's impossible for us. Like that probably cannot happen for anyone to know all, but God does with everything and everyone. He's alone wise. I love Mark 10, 18. It says this, um, none is good but God. Well, if none is good but God, that means there's none wise but him. As all creatures are unclean, When it comes to his purity, everyone falls short when it comes to his wisdom. Even Job 4.18 tells us, yes, even the glorious angels themselves, they fall short when it comes to his wisdom. He's alone wise. And so when I think about it, I love this summary. One writer put it like this. So it's God alone acting the right way, according to the right will, in accordance with his nature and his other attributes, with all the information at his disposal at the same time. That's amazing, the God that we serve. It brings me kind of to my first point. So God is wise, so he alone knows the greatest goal and the best way to achieve it. God is wise, so he alone knows the best goal, okay? what's the highest end, and the best way to achieve it. Hey, the best way to achieve it. I know about you, but I try to give God ideas all the time. Um, <laughs> normally it doesn't work out. A lot of times I try to give God ideas. Hey, God, you know what would be great if, you know, fill in the blank. Um, you know, I try to let God know when he could be doing things better. I don't know if you're like that. You know, hey, God, you know, this would be better if you just, you know, um, you think about those things. I get frustrated when things that he told me don't seem to work out at first. I don't know if you're like this, okay? Sometimes even they seem to be worse. Like he told me how to do this. I'm acting on his wisdom. And sometimes they don't work out like I thought they would. And they seem to even get worse. And I get frustrated like that. But we'll have to trust in his wisdom. You, know, you think about someone who says like, hey, God, you know what? Um, you told me to deal you know, um, fairly and effectively with people. So I got rid of those business partners who may have been shady, but now um, half my contracts are going. I don't know how I'm going to support my family. But God is wise. and We need to trust his wisdom. And I think about the person who says, hey, you know what? I got rid of those friends who were leading me in the wrong way. I don't hang out with those people anymore. But now I feel like I don't have any friends. I'm alienated from everyone. You told me this is how I should live, but now things don't seem to be working out. But God is wise. You know, you think about um, this idea of like, hey, I I know I'm supposed to stand on your baseline for morality. So I told my fiance, even though the fact that, you know, she still wants to sleep together, we're not married yet. Hey, we shouldn't sleep together anymore until we get married. But now I don't have a fiance. But God is wise. See, sometimes as those things start to play out, they don't seem like that at first. And we can get very frustrated about that fact, but that's exactly when we need to trust him. I want to go back to Romans chapter 11, verse 33, and I want to read not just 33, but 33 through 36. So Romans 11, 33 through 36, because when I get frustrated, I read this and it puts me in my place quickly. It says, oh, the depth and the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and his ways are past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord, not me, or who has become his counselor, 
Or who has given, who has first given to him, and it shall be repaid to him. For of him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. See, many times we think, hey, you know what? If I just follow God's wisdom, things will go great for me. And they will. But if your definition of great is just temporary circumstances always going exactly like you want it, then things are not going to go great for you. God's plan is greater. You know, you think about this in the Old Testament. I think about Old Testament examples. I think about Moses. You remember when Moses finally goes back with Aaron and they go to Pharaoh and they're talking to him. He's like, hey, God said, you know, I am that I am. Let my people go. And Pharaoh's like, you know, I don't know who you are. You haven't been back for a while, but there's, you know, kind of a new person in town, and I don't know your God. And so, as a matter of fact, I'm not only not going to let your people go, but uh, remember, we used to give them the materials to make the bricks, so now they can go find their own materials to make the bricks and make the bricks. Good luck with that. And now all the people, Hebrew people, are looking at Moses like, Moses, like, really? And Moses is looking at God like, really? We do that, though, sometimes, you know. You may be looking at God this morning for a situation like, really? Like, God, you told me to do this, and this is how this is working out. And God says, listen, be patient. Hey, let my plan work out. Hey, it's like Novocaine, just give it time. Um, sometimes that's how we need to do I think about Joseph and his situation. You know, Joseph, you know, th- things seem to be turning. Now he's in Potiphar's house. But now all of a sudden she's making advances. He runs out so much that his, his cloak is ripped. And now he's in jail. He's saying, wait a minute, Lord, like I was following your wisdom. Flee from this temptation and now I'm in jail. And you think about the faithfulness of Joseph and you look at the end of that result of that story. Hey, you know, so many times I learn and I emphasize that phrase like I learn because a lot of times later on I'm like, oh, God, like I see what you were doing. Anyone say that? Later on, hey, on the back end of it, oh, Lord, like, I, okay, you know, oh, me of little faith, like, I see what you were doing. You know, I think about those scenarios, maybe those business partners that you lost six months later get arrested for corrupt practices that could have been you, but it wasn't. Maybe some of those friends that you said, like, hey, I need to distance myself from that group of people because I need to follow God. Maybe some of them come back and say, hey, I'm so glad you did that because I wanted to do the same thing. All I needed was someone with some courage to say that's what I needed to do. You never know. God is always working out his plan and his wisdom. Hey, and it will go great. Not always temporary circumstances, but it will be the greatest end for you. We see even that picture, you know, sometimes we say like, hey, we see a little bit, hey, with our finite minds, but God sees everything and he exercises his wisdom in everything that he sees. But even that example, even me saying that is a poor example. I don't know if you guys, I don't know if anyone's ever seen the Francis Chan example with the rope where he lays the rope out and he like just puts a dot on one end of the rope and that's your life and the rest of the rope is eternity. I was watching that with someone one time and they were like, uh, I, I was like, excuse me, uh, man, that's a great example. Like I need to use that example next time. And my friend looked at me and he was like, that's a horrible example. And I was like, what do you mean? He was like, that doesn't even come close to what it's like. And he was right. In, in a sense, it's good because that's the best we can do. Like we're trying to put You know, like Josiah talked about earlier, just indescribable. We're trying our best to put it in. So it's a great example in one sense, but in another sense it's not because it doesn't even come close to describing how amazing God is. And the same thing when it comes to his wisdom. You know, Moses and Joseph may not have perfect endings by human standards, but by divine standards, it couldn't have turned out better for them. 
Okay? And very often we as Christians find ourselves wondering and wondering, we've got to trust the way that he's working providentially in our lives. And we lack a lot of times his, we always, we lack his wisdom to make perfect sense of all that he does. But that's when the trust comes in. Knowing that he possesses the wisdom allows us to trust him even in the worst circumstances. Because we know he's working all things like we sang for our good. You know, we see this wisdom in the way his message is proclaimed and his plan for salvation. Um, if you turn over to Rome, or excuse me, 1 Corinthians 1, it's not far from where you are now. 1 Corinthians 1, we see his wisdom in the way his message is proclaimed and his plan for salvation. And we are reminded that he alone knows the best and and he alone knows the best way to accomplish it. In 1 Corinthians 1.18, it says this, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. That may be my favorite phrase. The weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, not, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. God's plan, okay, and the way he wanted his message to be proclaimed. Um, there's a Christian rapper. I'm a big Christian hip-hop fan, and uh, there's a line that I always think of. He says, he loves, God loves when the score is 90 to 10 and you just got the ball stolen because then he's going to show up the way he wants to show up, and it's only going to be him. You know, you think about the way the message is proclaimed. God is no respecter of persons. That doesn't help you, like, in sharing the gospel, right? Okay? There's only one way men can be saved. You're like, Really? You know, people are like, really, God, only one way? Like, there's so many ways to do so many other things. Like, really, only one way? You can't earn your way to heaven. So it seems like foolishness because I got to be able to do something, right? So simple, yet it requires humility, so much so that men resist it, okay? But it's wisdom. Think about his plan. Think about the way Jesus came to earth. I think about the way he was born. Um, and the incarnation Okay, to, to peasant folk during a census, the way he came to earth. I think about even who the angels appeared to. They appeared to shepherds. Always think if there was like an angel in choir practice who got really mad when they found out they were going to be singing to the shepherds and not like Herod or something. Um, you know, it's like think about who the angels appeared to. It doesn't make sense. Okay? Even when Jesus came, his own followers wanted him to be a political leader. Some people wanted him to be, you know, a revolutionary that just kind of upset and overthrew things. Some people wanted him to be the greatest earthly king ever known. He had a brief ministry. He died as a criminal, and he humbled himself and went to the cross for you and for me. 
And even once he resurrected, he resurrected to a group of people who were scared and doubtful about sharing his message. But ready? God says, hey, listen, trust me, because this is infinite wisdom. It's the perfect way to accomplish my goal. It could not have been done better. And you know what? He's right. It's amazing. God is wise. God is wise, so we trust his character and not our emotions. We trust his character and not our emotions. Think about Acts chapter 16. I don't know um, if you read this account before, but in Acts 16, verses 23 through 40, um, there's a girl who's demon-possessed. She's following Paul. He gets annoyed, so he finally casts the demons out of her, and then all of a sudden, like, everyone's like, man, there goes our money, okay? We can't make money anymore from this person, and so now those guys are thrown in jail, but in that moment, Paul still understands that God is faithful, God is loving, God is sovereign, and God is wise all at the same time, and he trusts God's character, maybe not the emotions that he first felt once he was thrown into jail, and he stays in an evangelical mindset. So in jail, he's singing and praying. Paul and Silas, joyful with a missionary mindset. And this is not about the greatness of Paul. It's about the greatness of God and God's wisdom. But I think it's helpful to see a great example of someone who continued to follow God and trusted his character, not the initial emotions. Think about it. Paul has a high view of God. And Paul's high view of God allows him to trust God. It results in worship. And by worship, I mean all his actions, okay? Paul's a high view of God. But if you think about it, and I love this phrase, our theology okay, determines our doxology. See, it's our theology that determines our doxology. What we think it determines how we worship, how that plays out, what that praise and exaltation looks like, how we follow him. They stay in a missionary mindset, I have a hard time staying in a missionary mindset just in South Florida, like on a regular day from day in and day out. I was driving on Powerline the other day. You ever, you driving and someone cuts you off and all of a sudden you're like so mad at that person. Um, that was me the other day. Someone cut me off and I was so upset. And all of a sudden in my mind, I was thinking like, man, you know, I totally don't care about at this moment, this person's like where they're going eternally. I'm just really mad that they messed up my schedule. It's so easy for me to get out of a missionary mindset. Um, but Paul stays in a missionary mindset. There's this thing that pilots um, deal with. They deal with something called spatial disorientation. Spatial disorientation, it can happen in storms. It can happen when the sky doesn't look right. And actually, they say it happens more often in this tropics that we live in, the tropic zones more than anything because the way the sky looks. But when a pilot is experiencing weird weather conditions, that prevent him from seeing the horizon and, and determining the horizon or the ground from the sky or even the water from the sky sometimes. Um, again, the perceptions just start to like sink and, and or excuse me, the perceptions start to like kind of get messed up with reality. And so flight instructors actu actually teach those pilots, especially young pilots, hey, if this starts to happen to you, you, you stop looking out at all and you just start to look at the instruments. Because the instruments will always tell you where you're going, and they won't be wrong. So they say, you look at the instruments and fly by the instruments. Don't fly by what you think you know or fly by what you think you see or you're experiencing. Because your emotions, a lot of times, will take you out. And we need to trust God's character. His wisdom should lead us to trust God's character. Our feelings are not facts. And we always need to come back to the word that's a fact. Because if we go by our feelings, we'll go off lust, or we'll go off anger, or we'll go off frustration, or we'll go off anxiety. And we all know where that leads us when we do. We need to bring it back to the fact that God is wise, and it helps us to stay obedient to him. And it's not easy 
but it helps us to stay obedient to him. Sometimes it's really hard. Um, and I was thinking about this obedience this week. Um, this past week, I was telling Josiah, I was at um, an honor retreat. Um, I have the privilege of serving as the director of discipleship at Calvary Christian Academy. And so uh, we have an honor retreat where we take 215 and 16-year-olds to a luxury hotel. Um, I know some of you are like, that sounds like torture. Um, and we try to teach them what it means to honor others, what it means to honor, um, you know, their family, a God first and their family and others. And, you know, what it, and all in the midst of um, trying not to be, you know, too loud and make the guests upset and the hotel staff. Um, and so, you know, we got over 215 and 16 year olds. Again, some of you are probably like, I'm glad that's your job and not mine. Um, and as we as I thought about it, you know, I was thinking about this idea of like trusting God's character and continuing to obey him, even in the midst of things that can be hard. And, you know, I was thinking about the idea that, you know, our disobedience a lot of times is a lack of faith in God's omniscience and God's wisdom. Okay? It's a lack of faith in God's omniscience and God's wisdom. Because our actions, when we're disobedient, are showing, hey, I know more. Or maybe I know, I know better. But, or sometimes it's just that we don't care, which is an attack on God's holiness. But all those things, you know, are an attack on the attributes of God. But when we are tied to him, when we're trusting in his wisdom, excuse me, wisdom, that's one of the ways that we show more than anything um, that we're honoring God. God, we want to honor you because I want to trust in you. Even though things don't seem right, they don't look right. Okay? Things didn't go right in the beginning, but I'm going to trust you. And even in the midst of this retreat and I was thinking about honor, I was just thinking about you know, studying and preparing for this. One of the best ways we honor God is to trust him despite what we think and what we feel and our emotions tell us. God is wise, and his perfect wisdom reflects a perfect love. God is wise, and his perfect wisdom reflects a perfect love. You know, wisdom in God is his essence. And I say in God because that's his essence. God is not like us. You know, we're gaining wisdom. We're learning from experiences. God's wisdom okay, is intuitive in him. Okay? Um, our wisdom is not like that. We're learning from experiences. We're gaining wisdom from experiences and, and different things that, you know, we might take in. But God is not like that. He's not lacking in wisdom. So he doesn't need to grow in wisdom. Okay. God is wise, and that's in his essence. Like, all his attributes are like that. You know, his wisdom is independent from anything else, okay? It's imagine if we could say this, but only God can say this, but his wisdom is a self-authenticating wisdom. You think about that. Um, no one can say that but God. But God is wise, and only he is wise, and he already knows. He's not learning things. Nothing catches him off guard. He is wise, and he works all things according to the counsel of his will. And I was thinking about this idea for a second. Can you imagine if um, that wasn't true? Can you imagine just for a minute, what if God wasn't perfectly wise? Okay? I talked about the statistics um, quote earlier. Like, what if God wasn't perfectly wise? What would that mean for our lives if God wasn't perfectly wise? Okay? I know I probably wouldn't get a lot of sleep. Because um, I'd be like, man, I don't know. Like, is the part when God is not wise going to happen to me like today? But God, I never have to, you know, deal with that. And it brings us into, or should bring us as a Christian into rest. It allows us to rest in his nature and rest in truth because he's always like that. It's, and his perfect wisdom is leading us to a perfect love. Even the wisdom that he's exercised for things that we deal with every day, um, the things that we're going about to and fro and doing and we don't even think about. 
I mean, God's wisdom is seen in the laws of nature. You know, God's wisdom is seen in creation. God's wisdom is seen in the way he created inanimate objects. Um, you guys aren't like having a conversation with a tree like, hey, did you really mean to drop that branch on that dude's head or did that just happen by accident? Like, you know, in the wisdom in God created, God's wisdom is seen in the way he created other creatures, but who don't have the sense of good and evil, don't have the conscience that we were created with. Like, that's God's wisdom because it wasn't agreeable for him to give them a moral law. And it wasn't just an accident because I think God could have created it or could have done it any way he wanted to. But he did it. And this is the amazing thing to me. He did it for our benefit. It's actually suited to the benefit of man. God's laws are not mere like authority respecting his own glory. They are that, but they're also, you know, for the wisdom and goodness of man's benefit as well. And that to me is amazing. They're helpful to man's nature. They confer wisdom upon him if we actually take time to look and actually take time to study our great God. The Bible says in Psalms 1, or excuse me, Psalms 19, 7 and 8, it says, they'll help our heart rejoice and they'll help enlighten our eyes. I help our heart rejoice and help enlighten our eyes. And I love listening to God is joy from a while ago because I think, um, again, it goes in concept. Like God wants us to have that same joy. God, our God is a joyful God. And when we obey his laws, it helps us to have that same joy. And he didn't have to, but this is the way he set it up. You know, his perfect wisdom is happening in the mystery of things behind the scenes that we can't see until it's time. His perfect wisdom, a lot of times, again, like I said, leading to a perfect love is happening behind the scenes. A lot of times we can't see it until it's time for us to see it. Uh, Think about a surprise birthday party. I don't know if anyone's ever been to a surprise birthday party before. You ever thrown a surprise birthday party before? Um, My wife would not like me to throw a surprise birthday party for her. She made that very clear. So if I ever tried to throw a surprise birthday party for her and, like, it was over and the guests were leaving, she would probably be like, you should leave with the guests that are leaving, too. Don't come back. Like, um, so I know that about her. Uh, not only should you know God, you should know your wife, too. Um, and I would not do that. But you think about, like, I love the stories of people when there's, like, a surprise birthday party. And so they're planning and they're setting it up. But the people who are expecting something, right, whose birthday it is, they're expecting something are getting frustrated as every hour passes because nothing's being done for them. I'm like, it's my birthday. Like, no one's celebrating. Where's the cards? Where's the presents? Where's the balloons? I can't believe they forgot my birthday. And sometimes it goes on almost all the way until, like, the nighttime, right? And then they walk in the door, and it's like, surprise! And then they're like, okay, you know? And they give you that look like, you got me. Um, You know, this is really good. But if they were truthful, they were really angry, like, during the day. Until that surprise, that mystery was revealed to them, um, they were a little upset, okay, if you were to talk to them during that time. But to me, that's like God's perfect wisdom a lot of times, isn't it? It's a perfect love that you can't see. A lot of times it's working behind the scenes, and it's working behind the scenes for you and me until God says, hey, now it's my time to reveal it. When I think about some of God's most majestic works, they're done behind the scenes, until it's time to be revealed. I think about the way that God brought his son into the world, okay, in the womb of a virgin, um, formed, created, okay? He didn't, God didn't like, you know, we talked about the way he did it in a, such a humble way. It wasn't like, you know, um, startling lights, like a meteor coming down, like, hey, here's my son. You know, it wasn't like that, okay? 
It just came into the world in such a humble way and in a way where it's still kind of a mystery because even Bible scholars today still talk about, well, like, well, God incarnate, he's perfect, but born in a Virgin Mary and like that formation, like how that happened. And like, we don't see the mystery until Jesus is born and says, hey, guess what? I formed, you know, my son and, and, and allowed him to humble himself and be in human form in the way I wanted to. And I'm not going to reveal that mystery until it's time. But once it was revealed, it's amazing. You know, I think about that. My infinite wisdom in the way I want to do it until it's time for it to be revealed to you. You know, even Jesus in the tomb. You think about when they come see Jesus in the tomb early that morning. They come to see Jesus in the tomb, but he's already risen. They get there. They get to the tomb, but the tomb is empty. And it's amazing once those who come to the tomb early in the morning finally actually see Jesus. You know, even for people like Mary who finally realized who it was. But it was like, hey, you know what? This is something I'm going to do behind the scenes until I reveal myself the way I want to do it. And I know you want to come. Maybe you wanted to come to the tomb and like see me come out. How did that happen? No. This is a mystery. It's going to be revealed in the way I want to. It's going to be behind the scenes until it's time for you to see it. And he does that. A perfect wisdom reflecting a perfect love to you and me. You know, in Ephesians uh, chapter 3 verse 9, I'm going to turn over just because I wanted to read this. Um, Ephesians 3, 9, I love these verses. It says, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in heavenly places, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. And all of this the all-knowing, all-understanding wisdom of God is constantly being revealed, but it's being revealed in his time, okay? And we have to be patient because we'll see his perfect love take effect. Finally, God is wise, and this should lead us to make him our treasure. God is wise, and this should lead us to make him our treasure. You know, this is one that's so easily skipped over. We have a communion Or we can go to Jesus and meet with the author of wisdom, the author of perfection, the author of love. Like we can meet with him. All those things, this perfect God, are found in him. But so often we rather settle for the things that he's created instead of being with him. You know, I was thinking about this. Imagine if, uh, and Josiah's talked about communicable, excuse me, communicable and incommunicable, communicable, wow communicable and incommunicable um, gifts. You know, when you think about the attributes of God, some are communicable and some are incommunicable, meaning like, hey, we can have a little slice of holiness, but we're imperfect and we're sinners. And so, you know, we won't be holy um, like God is holy until later on. You know, we can have a little slice of this attribute or that attribute for some of them. Um, but others we can't, you know, no matter how much I really want to be in two places at the same time, that's just never going to happen. I can study about it for a really long time. It doesn't matter. That's just reserved for God. Some things, some attributes are just reserved for him. But I think about it. Sometimes we love the attributes or gaining those things more than we actually love God. Like imagine if you were an aspiring singer for a second and someone said, hey, you know what? I'm going to give you all the training videos, all all the training videos, the full complimentary set for Taylor Swift performances. 
Now, if you were training to be that, you might be like, wow, that's an amazing thing. Or someone said, hey, you know what? You could have the full training set of Taylor Swift performance videos, or you could have access to Taylor Swift whenever you want to. Now, most people probably wouldn't take the videos. Most people would be like, I can just, you know, I can, you know, go ask her any question anytime I want to about performances. Wow, this is amazing, okay? And again, this is like the Francis Chan example. Um, it's not doing God justice, but we're trying, Lord. Um, but you think about it, it's almost like, hey, would you rather have the things God creates or would you rather have him? Because in him are all things. Those things don't even exist unless God exists. And so if he ceased to exist, wisdom ceased to exist. If God ceased to exist, love ceased to exist. And I think sometimes we miss the fact that all these things should lead us back to making Jesus our treasure. I was challenged a couple years ago by a pastor that I get a chance to serve with. And he said, hey, I want you to make sure you don't miss something. And I was like, well, what are you talking about? Make sure I don't miss something. He said, I want you to make sure you don't miss something. And everything that you do, there's going to be times that you do things. There's going to be time that you preach. There's going to be times that God uses you. It's amazing. Don't miss making your time with Jesus your ultimate treasure. I think that is the greatest thing sometimes we could ever hear, you know, because even as a pastor, you could fall in love with actually speaking to people. You could fall in love with the ministry, but he's saying, hey, don't miss falling in love with Jesus, because that's the most important thing. And our, uh, the wisdom of God should lead us back to him. You know, C.S. Lewis, who has that quote about the fact to say it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. You know, and if you continue, he talks about the fact that, hey, like we're fooling around with things that aren't high enough. We need to seek what is highest. We need to seek Jesus. And this is what unifies us. You know, we're sinners and we realize this. We realize we're incomplete. We realize that we won't be complete until we see God. But in this endeavor, it's like, how can I get to know God better? Because getting to know God better, getting to know his wisdom and the other attributes that this church is learning about always should bring us and point us back to him and say, you know what? More than anything, Lord, you're worthy. Okay? You're wise and you're worthy and you're worthy of my worship. And not any worthy of my worship in the way I want to do it and I decided to do it at that time. You're worthy of worship the way you decided it should be done. And I love that. I love that. Because he's always seeking Okay. The greatest end, that's wisdom, God's wisdom, always knows him alone, the greatest end and the best way to do it. And I don't know, again, what you're dealing with um, when you came in here. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what, you know, is going on in your life. But I, I hope this is an encouragement to say, like, you may be in the valley of, hey, this is not happening exactly like I thought it would be, Lord. Or, hey, Lord, I'm really struggling with this. I'm really struggling with trusting your wisdom. And the only thing I want to say is, like, Christian, hold on, okay? Hold on. And, and, and be encouraged, you know, seek out other believers to be encouraged by stories. There's so many stories. Whenever I get discouraged, I seek out faith stories from other believers who say, hey, let me tell you what God did. You know, let me tell you what God took me through. You know, let me tell you where God showed up in my life. I was just like you. I didn't think God was going to come through, but then his wisdom shone through. It's amazing, and it's the greatness of our God, but the greatness seen through his wisdom, not just knowledge, not just information, but possessing all things at the same time, seeking the absolute best for you and me. And our challenge is just to trust Jesus even more. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you um, for this opportunity just to magnify you, Lord. There's nothing greater that we can do than use our time, our talents, 
our skills, our affections to lift you up. And God, we know you know more than anything what is the greatest outcome for our lives. And the more we trust you, the more that we realize that. And so, Lord, I just pray for everyone this morning because, Lord, you help us to carry it out. And, Lord, I pray that you help us, help us to carry it out. Um, even as we walk through things that may be tough, Lord, help us to carry it out in a joyful way. Help us to carry it out in a way that honors you, that says, God, I trust you. Even when I don't understand, even when things may seem a little off, Lord, I'm trusting you. And we can be joyful and, God, have a joy that's um, so contagious for others that they see our joy. They see us serving, Lord. They come to extravaganza or they come to whatever it is that we're doing and they say, man, something is different about these people. Something is, is different because I know what they're going through, God. I know what they're going through, but um, what? They're displaying is uncommon. It's uncommon joy that can only be found in you. So, um, God, we pray that you will lead us all to that. And, Lord, you'll help us to trust in your wisdom and your wisdom alone because it is you alone who is wise. And we pray these things in your name. Amen.